This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking with G. Calvin Sneed, Senior Anti-Fraud Consultant for the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Please briefly describe your role and how you serve the nation's 39 Blue Cross Blue Shield plans. Well, I share responsibility for coordinating investigative efforts of the plan special investigations units around the nation for Blue Cross Blue Shield companies. Our office supports them through fraud monitoring activities, education and training, facilitating communications with federal and other law enforcement agencies, and we also coordinate investigations that involve multiple uh, plans of ours. Your association recently announced that its member plan saved or recovered more than $510 million in 2009 as a result of its anti-fraud efforts. How much was that total up from the previous year, and what have been some of the key steps that have helped yield the improved result? Well, we were up 47% from last year for savings and recoveries, and of course we're excited about that increase, but we realize that these numbers fluctuate from year to year because of changes in laws and regulations and government priorities. Uh, resources and the timing and impact of very large dollar cases will drive those numbers up or down in any given year. We're fortunate that several uh, high-dollar cases were resolved in 2009 that contributed to the 47% increase. Now, I'll give you a, a three a reasons also why we think uh, these numbers went up. First, our department's long-term strategy to fortify training initiatives and uh, using information technology as well as information sharing, we think, is paying off. Two, the, uh, we've raised the visibility of our investigations units at the plan levels in our companies and uh, also increased tr- uh, cross-functional resolution of some of the issues that come up in our fraud cases. And we're also uh, focusing much more on prevention over recent years. Uh, we've found that the pay-and-chase model for detecting and fighting fraud and abuse in healthcare is very expensive, and we find we've become far more efficient if we can stop the bad money from going out the door in the first place. What are the most common types of fraud that your members are trying to detect and prevent, and are there certain types of fraud that are growing most rapidly? The common types are still the same as they always have been. We we sort of operate around a core group of bad behavior. There's the billing for services not rendered is always number one, and billing for services that are misrepresented certainly is up there. We Some of our core responsibilities are looking for those upcoding services and claims, billing for services that are medically unnecessary, and also the unbundling of services. But what we have noticed over the last five or ten years has been an increase in the amount of uh, larger-scale schemes by organized groups. These are uh, instances involving non-professionals where there are no patient encounters whatsoever, completely bogus services by criminal people with criminal minds, and they're just uh, hit-or-miss and -and hit-and-run operations where uh, they become very elusive and they're hard to catch if you don't uh, know about those claims coming in on time. Uh, We've also seen over this time period more instances of patient harm as a consequence of healthcare fraud, and that's uh, certainly troubling. And last, we know that we're more at risk today because of uh, technology. Technology is serving us. At the same time, it's becoming uh, something that sometimes poses a problem. We're exposed to phantom services uh, cases because patient information is stored electronically, and if data systems and data access are not protected, it becomes a problem for us. What information technologies have played important roles in detecting insurance fraud at the various plans? 
Well, we use off-the-shelf applications uh, as well as customized and uh, more managed products. All of these technologies are beneficial because they provide the ability to detect aberrant patterns in our claims activity. They are playing important roles with our investigative units because we have learned how to use the technology better and how to apply it for the greatest advantage. When you can identify hundreds or even thousands of claims through your analysis uh, that are a problem compared to claim-by-claim claim analysis, certainly it's more efficient, and, and those technologies certainly pay off for us. Which technologies are most important in, in preventing insurance fraud from happening in the first place? Well, from the uh, front-end prevention uh, technologies aspect, I think we're probably more low-tech at this stage. The earliest technologies that's still used in creating claims edits at our plans uh, is used by writing programs for routine capture of discrepancies or improbable services. It's important for us to pay good claims quickly, and since adding more program edits tend to slow down processing systems, their use is somewhat limited. Uh, we still prevent payments, though, using the detection technologies we spoke about earlier. I think it's more beneficial at this time to flag the claims for review that involve questionable providers or known fraud trends or schemes that uh, our investigative units are aware of. And that's why uh, information sharing between our plans is so vital. To your question of uh, preventing insurance fraud from happening, I think the technologies that are going to have the greatest impact in the future are those that involve patients and providers as well as the insurers. Those technologies will enable insurers to verify a patient's identity and that services are being provided much like the financial sector. And those are going to require, I think, real, real culture change in the industry. They will likely involve verification at the patient point of contact. Uh, some people are suggesting uh, biometric devices to accomplish that. Certainly, uh, those could be incorporated into the medical identity uh, idea and uh, could involve real-time verification of services and supplies uh, delivery. But again, most folks are not interested in talking about it that at this time. Are Blue Cross Blue Shield plans working with hospitals and clinics and other provider organizations to crack down on medical identity theft? Well, most of our efforts are uh, directed at provider and consumer education at this time. I guess we could go back and say that we we sort of led the way 15 or 20 years ago. The first thing we did at the uh, insurer level is we, re we removed social security numbers from the medical ID cards. And so uh, today we're letting our providers know that medical identity theft is a significant problem and that they need to uh, verify patient identities at the point of contact, including asking for picture identification. Uh, we're telling them that most identity theft involves insiders with access to patient information, and that access needs to be limited only to employees that need that access and that uh, it's also important uh, in the hiring process to do background checks and credit checks uh, to make sure that your workforce is not infiltrated by, you know, bad people. The last thing we say to those plans is that uh, breaches are going to happen, uh, unfortunately, and that there should be a plan in place to deal with those breaches uh, when they when they do happen. And certainly for consumers, on our website we publish a, a, a long list of, of do's and don'ts. The do's, of course, are protecting your medical ID card just like you protect your credit card. Tell consumers to beware of shoulder surfers, uh, not to lend their medical identity card to others. Don't give medical information over the phone unless you're sure about who you're giving it to. 
Uh, we also say uh, that you need to properly dispose of documents at home and at work, and uh, best of all, to uh, check your explanation of benefits forms when they come in to make sure that your insurance company is not paying for services that, services that you know you never received. Finally, what impact do you think federal health care reform will have on insurance fraud in the short term and over the long haul? I, I guess you could say the increased funding alone is going to increase the government's savings and recoveries through uh, through their enforcement actions. CMS is getting a great deal of increased funding. The Inspector General and the Department of Justice are all going to gain significant resources through the funding mechanisms that are in place through health care reform. I think that we have to acknowledge that there's, a, there's the potential for saving uh, an awful lot of money uh, from health care reform as it's written. Number one, uh, it, it will should be able to save money, this is at least in the public programs, by keeping bad actors out of those programs through the enrollment changes that Medicare will, will implement. It's likely that they'll save a lot of money by minimizing the number of self-referrals within the community. They'll save a lot of money likely by uh, through better management of the health care services that, that Medicare and Medicaid pay for. And I think they'll vastly improve the reporting and detection and prevention in the Medicaid program, there's an awful lot of information in healthcare reform that addresses rules around the Medicaid program that have not been in place before, or if they have, um, there hasn't been sufficient reporting by the states to the federal system to capture a lot of the savings and, and corrections that, that might otherwise uh, be, be available. I think if we're talking about healthcare reform and what advantages that come from that, I, I think we have to also acknowledge a couple of things that aren't necessarily in health care reform but could or have the potential to help out in this regard, and those would be the reorganization at, at the CMS. They raise the visibility of pro the program integrity by making it a center by itself. Dr. Peter Bedetti, who's uh, going to be in charge of that center, I think is uh, has his challenges ahead of him, but he's going to have his own center there with the ability to focus solely on program integrity issues and uh, that can only, I think, have a positive impact. And the other thing is, is the Medicare Advisory Commission, and uh, uh, maybe this is in the healthcare reform bill, but it, it sort of takes um, takes sort of some of the decision making out of certain parties' hands and puts it in the hands of other people who hopefully will will be able to focus on what services uh, should be paid, what services are legitimate. I think it's fair to say it's not. We're not yet sure how that's going to work out, but it has certainly the potential to save money for the public programs. Now, healthcare reform has very little impact on the private system. So I think if we're talking about impact, I don't think there'll be any short-term impact, but I suppose it's conceivable that in the long term that uh, if the public programs operations uh, discover new uh, ways of getting to the uh, fraud and abuse issues that, that certainly we might be able to uh, learn from those types of things. Uh, the flip side of that, I would say, would be that we've been ahead of the public programs on the private side for some time in the way we do use technology. And I think uh, in that respect, the government or the public programs are sort of learning from us. Might cases of medical identity theft decline as the percentage of Americans that have health insurance uh, grows as a result of health care reform? I think we can hope for that. I don't, you know, it's hard to say whether it will happen or not. I think we can certainly hope uh, that that happens. I think we have to acknowledge that the, the awareness of health care fraud over the last couple of years uh, has 
it itself, uh, even without health care reform, would have had a positive impact. Uh, or you've asked some people if medical identity theft is on the rise. The answer is that we don't know that it is on the rise, but what we do know is that the reporting is on the rise. So in healthcare fraud and prevention, we've been dealing with medical identity theft really for a very, very long time in our investigative units, but we haven't necessarily referred to it as medical identity theft. We've basically referred to it as healthcare fraud. So, you know, I think to answer your question, sure, I think we can certainly at some level expect there to be improvement in that area. Thanks, Calvin. We've been talking today with G. Calvin Sneed of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so much for listening.